welcome back to our very last edition of the Epic Podcast. It's hard to believe uh, we're actually we've actually gotten to this point. It's been an epic series. <laughs> Thirteen. <laughs> it weeks. has been an epic summer. Um, I as I'm looking ahead here, I think today is really going to fit in as almost a part two from last week. I feel like we got started towards the end last week, really talking about the value of of guides and people that we're listening to and they're speaking into our lives. And so I really think that today we're going to continue on with that. Um, we've got Brian back with us again. So um, Brian, if you want to go ahead and kind of wrap this around for us, how are we ending up wrapping up the summer? So all through the summer in this entire series, we've taken a look at epic, no, to coin a phrase, characters <laughs> within the Old Testament. Um, you know, we've looked at David, we've looked at Daniel. Um, the, last week and this week, um, we're looking at the characters of Esther and Mordecai um, from the book of Esther. And um, uh, one of the central themes to kind of all of these, uh, especially the last several characters, has been uh, how these individuals are conducting themselves and obeying God and following God's will within captivity. Um, so, again, in, in very adverse circumstances. And we could say that about almost all of the epic characters. Adverse circumstances, how are they doing what God's asking them to do? And so in Esther's story, um, she has been made queen of Persia, which at that time was the largest empire in the entire world. Um, and discovers a plot to wipe out all the Jews um, through the hatred that the king's right-hand man, Haman, has for the character of Mordecai, who is a Jew, uh, who has raised Esther. Um, she's been orphaned. He's raised her. He's her uncle or great-uncle, um, distant relationship type of thing. And so she's put in the position of, does she use her position as queen to try to help? How can she help? Um, what does she do uh, in listening to what God is asking her to do? To help save not only Mordecai but the entire Jewish nation because uh, that is the threat that Haman's put on them. He's going to wipe them all out across the entire kingdom. And so we're looking at, or last week we looked at Esther and how she was obedient to the Lord and how she used her position. But as you've mentioned, we've talked about guides and people who assist us in those journeys if we look at ourselves as the epic hero. And Mordecai has to be discussed. We need to talk about him and what his role is and how I think we can all agree if Mordecai wasn't part of the story, there is no story of Esther, or at least it would be significantly different. Um, he serves a very significant role, um, not only as the person who needs to be rescued, but as the person who guides her in the position that she's in, has raised her with a set of standards um, that are godly standards, and therefore that dictates how she goes about the decisions she's making. That's good. Yeah, and the, and the scripture here, that this is, I think you mentioned it last week, uh, Mara, that God is not mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, that that throughout this passage, it's God is uh, not that He's absent, but He's not mentioned. And uh, although Esther has the people go to prayer and fasting, mm -hmm. um, the the guidance that she receives is from her uncle Mordecai. And perhaps you have obtained royalty for such a time as this. And so that's our focus: the, the scripture, the guidance of Mordecai. Uh, you know, we, we went through the story last week. We're not going to do that again. Uh, but for such a time as this, Mordecai gives her that level of guidance and um, and and leads her through this process where um, God is able to move through this Jewish maiden lady. Yeah, yeah. And so as we kind of continue last week, um, 
this week, I think we're going to talk a little bit about like how do we identify those guides in our life? Kind of how do we know who, which voices we can trust? Like as we read through Esther, there's actually a lot of, of descriptions of Mordecai, and kind of you get a really good picture of maybe his place in their community, um, his relationship with Esther. He had some of those really great qualities. I mean, he's obviously very compassionate towards his people, and he wants to um, he wants to save them in any way he can. He's humble. He's encouraging Esther. She, she knew that he was a voice to listen to. Like she trusted that relationship that he had and trusted his advice. Um, so what do you guys think? What makes someone a great guide? When you think about people or voices that you listen to, what, what causes them to kind of rise above the roar? They listen before speaking. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I, don't, I don't know that I want to convey an age requirement, but life experience <laughs> is valuable to me <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. i don't know that i want to take advice from someone who hasn't lived very you know saying so, you know, my 10 year old isn't my life guide so you know, <laughs> you know right you know, the idea that they have um some perspective on the things that i am challenged by or the things that i'm going through um, is valuable to me and so that life experience speaks highly to me speaks loudly to me when i'm listening to someone's guidance you want to know that they really are interested in your well-being, mm-hmm. that there's not a hidden agenda. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm just throwing short things out there. Yeah, so. no, but sometimes but I feel like that speaks to the relationship that you develop kind of before maybe that person gets mm-hmm. that chance mm-hmm. to really uh, have that moment where they're telling you what you should do next. Um, so, yeah, I think you, to know their motives, you have to know them. And I'm, and I'm thinking of a King of Queens episode where... Uh, where Jerry, Jerry uh, Stiller Still calls in the, the, the guy that's delivering the Indian food to him because he wants somebody to, to build into it. And, and so he won't pay him until he listens to his advice. So, uh, sorry. No, that's a fantastic <laughs> example. <laughs> so I feel like as we talk about this guy, I feel like it's tempting to kind of push this guy as the person that's always working in the backgrounds, working behind the scenes. Is there a difference between someone acting in, in the role of a guide and someone who is leading? Can that be the same? Can you can you do both? I think I think Esther acts as a guide as well to the people, and mm-hmm. uh, that she she encourages them to pray, and 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 at some point, you know, she's acting as her own guide and Mordecai's guide, and and the direction of this, mm-hmm. you know, there there's a there's a little bit of give and take. I, I I don't think, you know, as the people of God in in a church, as people trying to find our way on an epic in an epic story, I think we'll find ourselves, uh, we should find ourselves acting as both guide and as, as someone being guided. Uh, you know, it's like discipling. Right. You know, you know, you're not a discipler unless you're being discipled. Right. And so there's a little bit of that in, in all that we do. Um, so I think leaders operate as guides, but they also should be willing to accept guidance. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think, and to speak to that, I think, um, we can easily fall prey to kind of the models of guide that we've seen in literature or in, you know, the idea of the guide being someone who has reached a point in their life that they're no longer active, but they can speak to the others who are. Um, and I don't know that that's as realistic as uh, kind of the symbiotic relationship that we have in life. I think, I think the person who's still active and who's still living life and still doing, if we want to call it leadership or doing whatever role it is that we're seeing guidance in, they have a fresher and more relevant perspective than someone who maybe has, I don't know, hung up the uniform and they're kind of, you know, in, in the waning years of their life. Um, I, I also don't think that it's as, it's as cookie cutter as this person is a guide and a guide only, and this person is a, 
mentee or you know mm-hmm. going through the steps and and that's all that they're doing um, I think life is way too involved and complicated to say you know I'm if I only looked at life as someone who's just going through the steps and learning um, I wouldn't have my job I wouldn't be a dad you know what I mean like there, there's things I have to lead on regardless if I've got a guide in my life <laughs> it would just be a lot better if I did you know what I mean right. life doesn't clear-cut things so well that I think you're one or the other I think I think you need to be both at different stages of life, and I think that transcends through generational relationships and roles that we have, not only in church but in our jobs and in our neighborhoods. And I'm not trying to take it too far out, but yeah. I think it's all interrelated. Uh, and, and people that are effective guides, um, you know what what I see there there's certain people that are able to draw out other people. Oh yeah, that yes. that they will see people as, and, and I think one of the things that they see is they see people as inherently interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're able to draw out, I mean, usually they're good listeners, True. and usually you find in your conversations with them, they're drawing more things out of you oh, yeah. than you're drawing out of them. Right. And those are effective guides. Uh, you know, that's, I, I wish I was more like that. <laughs> you know, I see those people that, that are good at that, and, and you know, you just watch and work with people. Not, I almost said work people, but it's it, it's not, they're working you know they 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 are they just really are interested in other people's life stories they know how to make a conversation about the other person and not about themselves but at the same time they're invested and involved Mm -hmm. and that's a balancing act Mm -hmm. it really is Um, and I think I think the different areas and interests of our life qualify us to be guides for different people mm, you know uh, you do not want me guiding you on how to play basketball or you know, any <laughs> physical sports but i would love to sit and talk to somebody about you know that doesn't mean i don't know physical labor or doesn't know that i don't like mm-hmm. the outdoors you know i'd love to sit and talk to somebody about hiking you know i mean we've had some conversations about those kinds of things so you know to put me in front of a team and to say hey make relationships with those guys or i see oh gosh there's a struggle already but, you know, there are other people who I'm uniquely situated and called to be able to be a guide for. Um, not to rabbit trail too far, but I think that's a component in it as well. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. I was kind of thinking when you mentioned Star Wars on Sunday, I was like, Finley gave you the biggest, like, question mark eyebrows. When you said Star Trek, she's looking at Yoda, right. she's looking at you, and she's, I think she's might have started praying for you right there. Yeah. She's like, that, that's Yoda. <laughs> Kennedy but, put a hand on my arm to restrain me. Yeah, like she thought I, was gonna, I knew what you were doing, but she was like, Dad, stop. You look at kind of the cycles and the way that their um, kind of their Padawan and mm-hmm. uh, mentor, like all of that relationship works. It wasn't that once you had a Padawan, you were removed from active Correct. service. Correct. Like that person followed and learned from you as mm-hmm. you continued right. to act. Right. And so I think that's really interesting because often we think of Yoda as being the best guide of all time, but he really was in the waning years of his life. And that isn't who they would spend the majority of their time. Yeah, the model of both, and nerding out here on you, but the model of both Yoda and Obi-Wan is that they're on some desolate planet isolated from everybody. You know, and so it's very easy to see a guide as some wizened old wizard-like guy who's just kind of off in the shadows. That isn't how the relationship was meant to be structured as far as master and apprentice or you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that's i don't think that's what we should we're talking star wars or life yes Both. yes <laughs> i'm gonna star hang out wars on a planet and grow a beard no. <laughs> yeah yeah but no but if you see obi-wan and anakin early on in his life like, yes. it was definitely more of a yeah a partnership right. that they were active together. yeah and active mm-hmm. like you said they're not just hanging out in isolation trying to instruct and listen it's as they live life here's a teachable moment here's a teachable moment here's a teachable moment 
So would you say it's fair that you probably cannot guide someone else effectively unless you have allowed yourself to be guided by others? Do you think that's a fair statement? Um, well, I, I think there's a humility that if you're going to be mm-hmm. a, a good guide, you, you've got to have a level of humility and you've got, to, you've got to be able to listen. And so if you're not willing to accept guidance, then you're probably not going to be a very good listener. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, so I think there's those elements. I, I, I would hesitate to say you never can guide anyone if you've never received guidance in, in the past. Um, you know, I, I think God uniquely uses people at different times, even maybe when when they have not lived a guidable life, mm-hmm. that sometimes God can use those lives oh, sure. if, if mm-hmm. they allow him right. to provide pretty right. good guidance. So I, I agree with that at its core because I think there's a level of humility. Sure. If you're going to be an effective guide, there's going to be a level of humility mm-hmm. uh, and listening. And, but I, you know, I, I'm not going to put it outside God's ability to right. use somebody. Um, I think maybe the key term is good guide versus could never guide. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know that's that you're true. going to be very effective or, or even be receptive <laughs> to what God is saying to you mm-hmm. if you've not received that before and if you're not open to being that individual in that moment. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. good. So I loved on Sunday when you were talking about how you have God, like Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, and there is a very um, personal relationship there, but also mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit is involved in our community and right. like the people around us. So, um, how do we, I mean, how do we recognize his voice in, in our community, in the people that are speaking into us? And, um, I don't know, in my life, sometimes there's times where I feel like, I feel like I'm hearing something, but it's not the same as what other people are telling me. And mm-hmm. like, how do you, how do you decide who's, who's right? Who's, whose advice to follow? You know, there's a couple of things that went through my mind. And, you know, the, the first is, is this. Bonhoeffer said that the move towards God is not internal and upward, but it's outward towards others. Mm-hmm. And so Bonhoeffer had this understanding that if he was going to be engaged in spiritual things, he needed to be engaged with other people. Take my eyes off myself and look at others, and then God's going to work on me. And he works through others. Right. right. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, you know, that, you know, I thought about, you know, I didn't incorporate that when I was speaking, um, but, but that kept running through my mind mm-hmm. that, that this move toward, we make this move towards God, this internalized yep. me by myself right. in, in my prayer closet. And, and I think people need times like that. I think God speaks through times like that. Right. But I think there's a balancing act um, of, of, you know, God transforming, moving in our lives us listening to his voice and listening to the voices of others. I mean, if we truly believe that God fills others with his Holy Spirit, then there is this aspect of God speaking to others and us and God speaking to us to others. Um, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, and, and can place my thumb on marked moments in my life where I thought, isolation in order to get closer to God was proven wrong by simply being in community with others and being aware of his spirit. Um, I really resonated with, you've said that, and you've mentioned that multiple times, especially on Sunday. You said, I, the older I get, I hope I'm not misquoting you, the older I get, the more I'm realizing that God is revealed through the community and not through, you know, moments spent alone with him. And I'm starting to see that as well. Um, and, and I, I kind of wonder about, you know, the habit of, always having to go and be alone to pray. And like you said, it's necessary, but I wonder sometimes in my life, if I reverse that and just went out and did some things that I knew were helpful, 
how God would speak to me in those moments. Right. Yeah, kind of balancing that. Because, yeah, Jesus went alone to pray, but sure. then he also spent so much of his time with his disciples mm-hmm. in community talking about things. Like I do, I feel like sometimes we we think that there's one spiritual discipline that's more important <laughs> than others. And, okay, as long as, I, as I, if I'm reading my Bible by myself, if I'm praying by myself, if I have all these quiet times, like that that is that's my best chance to, to make sure I'm not missing anything that he wants to say to us. Um, but I think if we take out the community piece, we're probably missing a lot of what oh, yeah. of what he wants to say to us yeah. and how he wants us to relate to the people around us. And that's why Wesley would say the Bible does not speak of a solitary religion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bonhoeffer would say the Bible does not speak of individual salvation, but community salvation. And, and, and you know, I've said this and, you know, I, not that we're not individually saved, but, you know, I, I've used the phrase God is inviting us to be part of the people that he's saving. Yeah. That, that is a more uh, correct way to view it, that, that God is saving a people, a community. Uh, God, God exists in community, mm-hmm. that, that the nature of God, the attributes of God cannot exist outside of community. That, that when, when the Bible says God is love, that's a relationship word. And so when we try to um, achieve spirituality uh, without community, uh, we're, we're missing the very, the main attribute of God. Um, and, you know, it's a dangerous thing. And it's a dangerous thing in, in, in this time. And we've just talked about a staff meeting that, that we live in this time of separation, isolation, and and I know as I'm saying this and talking, there may be some out there that that have have tuned in to to live Facebook Live mm-hmm. that maybe have tuned in to to, um, to to these podcasts and and so you've participated in things, uh, but maybe you've not participated in, in interaction and may, community interaction. Maybe you're afraid to come back to the, to the sanctuary. And I, and I understand that, you know, there, there's a lot of uncertainty, but I, I would encourage you reach out to somebody, make a telephone call, uh, do something, you know, reach out to me. I mean, we'll have a conversation. Nobody, we cannot go through these things alone. Uh, we're, we're crazy if we think we're we not meant to. Yeah. It's not intentioned that way. Right. No, and I feel like when we separate ourselves from the perspectives and the voices of other people, we're really living. I mean, it's like it's a part life. It's a yes. shadow life. It's yep. it's a isolation. I mean, there's a reason that solitary confinement is like the cruelest and most unusual form of punishment right. because there is a, a mental breakdown mm-hmm. that happens when you are alone with just your thoughts and your perspectives and your ideas right. and and the walls around you. And the introverts of the world say, you know, maybe solitary confinement. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if I just went to solitary confinement, maybe that wouldn't be too bad. Uh, But the truth is it'd probably eventually get to us all. (laughs) Even you, Devin Thompson. That's right. I'm speaking to you, extreme (laughs) introvert like me. Uh, (laughs) I'm there too. So yeah. But yeah, I think also sometimes if we separate ourselves, we... We separate ourselves from the maybe surprising ways that God wants to speak to us or the surprising guides. Like you talked about how like your 10 year old is not going to be your life guide. Mm. But like, I know that we've talked about times when your kids have blown you out of the water with just those, those insights or those moments where you're like, "Mm, yeah, no adult would have had that perspective, but my kid did. And, um, but again, I think that takes a lot of humility, a lot of listening. I love that. was like the first thing. What makes a good guide? A good listener. And you're like, wait, no, I'm asking them for their advice. But it's like, wait, no, first they need to be willing to sit mm-hmm. and hear and see from all the angles right. um, before before you really want them 
to even guide you or right. advise you. Absolutely. Well, you know, we we um, we receive God's love through people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. uh, you know, that this ideal that, oh, I'm just going to sit and bask in God's love. May, maybe that happens, but most of the time we experience God's love through people. As a matter of fact, God best expressed his love through Jesus. Right. God wrapped in flesh. And so we could not see what God's love was until it was wrapped in another human being. And so, you know, we, we really can't experience life fully without community. We, we need each other. We desperately need each other. And we're living in a time where, where we have to be intentional about that. Yeah, and I was listening to a podcast, and it was a while ago. It was when that song "Good Good Father" came out, and the guy who wrote it sang it. He was talking about how we, we basically we can understand and accept God's love to the extent that we have hurt in our lives. He's like, so there's a lot of people that it's like, okay, well they've they've had some good friends. They can understand this idea of a friendship, a give and take. He's like, but then if they have a hurt, if there's a broken relationship with a parent, the idea of understanding God's love as our Father is like where the breakdown occurs. And I love that. Like, yeah, we do. We learn to understand his love through the love that we see in other people and and conversely other people learn to feel his love through the love that we show i mean there's a reason why babies need to be held they need to be nurtured they will literally fail to thrive if they are left unloved and unnurtured and unsnuggled and like but I think, I think people are the same way. I mean, we might not have the same physical things, but like people like need to be hugged. I know in like the whole quarantine, they were talking about how you could literally hug yourself. And like, if you closed your eyes and did it for 15 seconds, you would release some of the same endorphins that would happen if somebody else hugged you. Like we are, we are meant to experience that love through other people. And it is, it's even like a biophysical thing. Mm-hmm. We talked last week about how like everything is connected. And T- Terry just saw a Facebook post from somebody that, that works in, and I try to, to not get into these things too much, uh, people that work in nursing homes. Uh, but we've isolated our elderly now for six months, five months, and we've got to figure out something else to do because they're literally dying from lack of connection. And church, you need to be praying about that because if this, this cannot go on for a year after year where if someone goes into a, a, a care facility uh, they never see the faces of their loved ones again, and right. and right now that's where we're at, and so that you know that I think that's a prime example. Oh yeah, that of what happens mm-hmm. when we're isolated, and a very serious one. Sorry, kind of killed, killed the whole. <laughs> no, uh, it, it connects to what we're talking about. The need, the need for others, never stops mm-hmm. from yeah. the moment we're born until the moment we pass, and so to think that we can make a connection with, with. God who created us by not connecting with others is, is I hate to, it's foolishness. It's, yeah. it's delusional at, at, at best. You know, I mean, it's not going to happen. It doesn't mean you can't have a relationship with God, but to connect with him the way that he wants us to be connected to him, it has to take place through others. It's not a good piece of advice. It's how we were formed. And so I think that's vital to understand and to remember and to incorporate into what we do on a daily basis. Yeah, no, I absolutely think our relationships with others they, they mirror and they give us good insights into into how God feels about us or our relationship with him. I was just thinking, I mean, I feel like some of the most crushing moments in my life have been the times when maybe somebody has sought me out for my advice 
and then didn't take it and it led to led to their harm and just like to sit there and 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 have to watch that like i think back to mordecai it's like well he did his best he told esther what what he thought she should do he guided her but at some point he kind of had to take a step back and and watch to see if she would act on that right i was gonna say he he would have been killed instantly to walk into the presence of the king no question about it he could not be the one to carry out the plan he could suggest it and then hope that she did what he suggested, you know, but yeah, he, he had no hand in how the decision was going to be carried out, had to take his hands off and back up. So guidance mm-hmm. isn't control. No, not at all. No, not at all. I mean, so, so, I mean, that's another characteristic of a, mm-hmm. of a good guide is, uh, they're not seeking control mm-hmm. uh, or, and, and, and they've seated control. I mean, when, when you're giving guidance, you're not saying this is what you've got to do. Right. <laughs> now, you may be saying it, but that you've got to allow the person to take those steps freedom yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah full transparency i've learned that lesson so many times the hard way because i'm like i'm the fix it like i will yeah right. like do this do this and then you get that like how do you lovingly tell someone i told you so well there there is no loving way to ever tell someone i told you so you do it with a right. smile right. Right. You know, right. probably the funny way <laughs> the funny way <laughs> but it is it's hard when yeah you realize that when someone has given you that position in their life they have not given you control over their right, life. Right. They have just merely opened themselves up and and asked for your advice mm-hmm. and nothing more. And they might take it and they might not. And um, but I think it still is on us. Like we can't say, oh you didn't take my advice last time so I'm not even gonna bother to give you good advice this right. time. Like I think there's a part of us that's still like you just have to be willing to invest and listen and just keep giving the best advice you can. Whether, whether it ever is followed or not. I think another, you're, I think I hear you heading towards another characteristic of a good guide, one of patience. Um, I've seen and been part of guidance situations on the receiving end and the giving end, where because someone or myself pushed advice too hard and too fast, um, the person was not receptive to coming back. You know, you know, or someone, I went to someone for advice and they basically wanted me to rearrange my life according to their 12 points, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's, a, that's not a trusted source of guidance for mm-hmm. me because I, I didn't ask them how to rearrange everything. I was just wanting to be listened to. And so I think patience in the process and talk about difficulty. You know, someone comes, like you said, someone comes to you and asks and you give some advice and they don't follow through with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be really easy to become jaded. And yeah. the next time they come your way to say, well, you know, like you said, with I told you so, but you have to be patient with them. You have to be patient and you have to be willing to see them make their own choices in a way that you know, you're going to keep your hands off of. Right, right. And no, the same way that I've made the mistakes and God has redeemed those, yeah. like we have to watch and look for that in other people's lives too. Right. Like, and I think too, I think as parents, it's easy to confuse parenting with advice or guidance from others. If that makes sense? Mm-hmm. You know, my, my call to be the parent of my children it's not the same call that I'm giving if somebody's asking me for guidance. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, mean we say I would this. suggest you not run in the street in the traffic. Right, right. <laughs> it's just my guidance for you. Right, right. I'm not going to control you. Do what you, you want. Right, let me take my hands off. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had a conversation last night with one of our kids, and I mean, it was a heavy conversation. And we said, we are, we even said, it's funny how God does things. We said, we are not giving you advice. We're telling you what we don't want you to do, right. you know, for your own benefit, for your own good. We're not trying to punish you but but you can't approach that you can't take that tack when people looking for guidance <laughs> you know that's that's, that, that's right. kind of the antithesis of what they're looking for so yeah yeah 
It's good. I love that kind of led into parenting. I feel like I've been listening to just a lot of podcasts recently on parenting. I don't know. Somehow I feel like moving into the eight-year-old, I feel like we've, we've just entered into a new mm. a new arena here. And not that you can ever really be prepared for any of, right. of these big life changes and big cognitive jumps. But I was like, you know what? I'm just realizing we're going to need to find a new way to, to relate yep. to him. It's no longer the I'm going to keep you out of the street to keep you safe. It's we need to... We need to go further. Yep. We need to uh, we need to explain this more. And I feel like there's a lot of those relationships that are kind of set up where there's there's a power difference mm-hmm. that can sure. either be abused or like capitalized on. And right. so I feel like I'm really looking right now. It's like how do parents? How do we build those relationships where we don't fall into that power trap of because I said so right. and you'll do this, but also where our kids actually seek our guidance versus just feeling like okay, fine for the next 18 years I'm going to do it your way and then. All right. And that's that's the importance of training up a child the way they right. should go, right. is that you're training them in a way of life, not not I mean and oftentimes as a parent, we Terry and I have fallen in this trap. It's just we tell them what to do, but we don't train them. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you know, there's a mixture. There there comes times in your kid's life where, you know, it has to be their their choice. Yeah. And you know, and, and and they have to they'll they'll pay a price. Right. And you learn something when you pay at the price. And so, uh, and I will tell you, not all eight-year-olds are the same. So just because you go through this once, that's all. Oh. Oh. It'll oh. be a whole different no, thing no, no, with no. Finley yes. and then Reed will that be different. Been... Right. <laughs> right. Now, recently, would... Emerson has decided he's going to teach Finley piano, which has been a great reflection of me realizing how he responds to me teaching him things. Because there were probably tears within the first couple of minutes and him just telling her over and over again, I am your teacher. You'll do it this way because I am. And I'm sitting there going, oh, please, Lord, awesome. let this not be what he hears me saying right. as, as I'm teaching him or as I'm instructing him. Because I was like, this clearly has gone so wrong right. so fast. This is not what it needs to be. That's funny. And uh, Finley's not having any of that. Right. So still on the piano now. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll have him play Sunday. There you go. Oh, man. Well, what else we got, Mara? Man, I feel like there's, man, we probably should keep talking. Um, the other thing I feel like from Sunday that I felt like was just really impactful, and I know a lot of people I've mentioned have mentioned that, is just talking about um, the idea of seeking guidance, seeking mental health, uh, help, assistance, any of that support. We've so long, I feel like I've seen that as a sign of weakness. Like almost there's times where I feel like people think, Let's not even take, let's take the mental health component out of it. But like, if I have to ask for help on this, it tells somebody that I'm less intelligent. I can't figure this out on my own. I can't do this. So almost like we've, we felt like we need to hide the places that we're struggling. And I think especially coming out of this season, which I, I, mean, I pray we're coming out of this season, but I, who knows how long it will last. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people who don't even understand the depth of, of how much support we are all going to need coming out of this. And I don't know, how do we... How do we change the stigma of of seeking counseling, seeking therapy, seeking professional support? I, I think our, and I want to say this in all kindness and love, I think sometimes our theology works against a weakness mm-hmm. that, that we, you know, particularly with an evangelical slant of our theology, we, we do the two trips and then we're there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the truth is that weakness, confession, the need for others, will never leave us this side of heaven. Now, maybe in heaven we won't need need people, but I, I don't know. It kind of seems like how we're created, that we're always going to need others. Uh, but, but all these things um, 
this this need to be vulnerable is present and it's all from from the time we're born to the time we die i i don't care where you are in your spiritual walk all of us have days and times where we need others and counselors fill an important need you know james says you know all good things are a gift from god and so we we believe you know nobody would say oh a medical doctor is not a gift from god right Believer or not believer, you know that mm-hmm. doctor sees you and and you've got cancer and and they treat you and you go into remission, uh, you're praising God, saying God used that medical doctor mm-hmm. to bring healing to my life. Um, we're created body, soul, mind, emotions. All these things are interwoven, and there are definitely specialists, and, and I believe they're a gift from God oh, yeah. that can help us weave all those things together. Uh, I, I've learned in my life that that. Many times, the, the sometimes the mental is connected with the physical, and sometimes the physical is connected with the mental. It's just it's just the reality. That's what we're finding right. out. And so we would be um, we we would be foregoing God's gift by not using all the resources He has. And and I'll I'll just speak openly. I'm not sure. I'm not saying this lightly. Maybe I need to to, to do some counseling after all what we've went through. This has been a Hard, yeah. hard season, Brittany. Yes, definitely. I, coming into this, it was it was almost ironic. I had to take a couple of college classes or one to get um, keep my license for teaching. And the class I ended up taking talked about um, dealing with trauma hmm. and, and being trauma-informed and hmm. um, like that proactive approach to you don't wait until you know that someone has experienced trauma to care for them appropriately in ways that will not re-traumatize them, in ways that will not induce a, a response. And I think sometimes we, we talk about preventative care in so many other places. Like we do our oil changes on our cars. We know our cars run better if I don't wait until it's making the noise that sounds like Like when you go in, in the mechanics, like what's wrong? And you say, oh, nothing, just an oil change. Like that's a good day because they know that you've maintained your car. We do preventative care as far as our wellness. I mean, we, we take vitamins, we do supplements, we exercise, we do all of these things to pre- prevent and, and support our wellness. But I think so often we act like our, our mental wellness is, is a separate category and like, well, if it's not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. We don't, we don't realize that there's so much health in, in maintaining, hmm. maintaining a healthy emotional and mental state. That's good. Yeah. I, I think too, there is a, cultural stigma against mental illness um, that has existed for thousands of years. Um, Mm -hmm. It's easy to say someone needs medical help when you see a wound or when you see a physical problem or where there's an outside influence that is causing that problem. Um, I think we as a society and as a culture are very mistrustful of problems that emerge from the inside out, Mm -hmm. um, such as mental illness. Um, There's a question of, can I trust this person if they have mental illness? Um, and I think we need to actively work to stop that type of thinking and stop that type of mistrust. If we're going to trust God to deal with these other situations, why wouldn't I trust God to help me in talking to someone who is experiencing a mental illness? Um, and and that, it's just a perspective shift, but it's one that is, I mean, it is deeply rooted in in society of, of mistrust. Right. And you, know, you talk about the history of mental illness and all that whatnot, we don't need to. But um, I had a friend who I had scheduled a lunch date with um, last week and he texted me last minute and said, I'm sick, can't make it. I said, okay. 
Uh, he's a good friend. I've known him for 20 years. Um, I, he was brought to my mind, so I checked on him two days later, and I said, how are you? And he said, well, I just need you to know I wasn't really physically ill. I was mentally ill. Things were bad. Mm -hmm. um, he's seeing a counselor. He's seeing a psychiatrist. He went to the doctor, and they worked on some medicine that he's taking and changed things up. And the terminology he used was like he's almost technical. He's changed some things up, and so we're going to see how that works. Almost somebody said, "Well, let's let's try a different weight of oil in your car." Or, you know, let's mm -hmm. do different progression. But he said that it candidly and openly with me. And again, it was through text. But he said, "I'm just not well, and you know, I need you to know that I wasn't trying to avoid you, or you know." Mm -hmm. But I said, "Hey, mental illness. You know, if you're not well, you're not well, and you're in my prayers, and I love you. And if there's anything I can do to help you, I will. But you know." Sick is sick and unwell is unwell. And that, you know, lunch with me was not, was not important that day. You need to be taken care of and you need to take care of yourself. And, I, you know, we, we've been in contact and just to see how things are changing for him. It's good. Yeah. And the experience that I've had with friends that have been in counseling, those things, it actually is so helpful and such a good part of their healing when the people that know that they're pursuing that are checking in with them and asking about it. Because I think right. sometimes we think, oh, well, that seems like a private thing. But if, yes. if they have shared and disclosed right. that, know that they are they are opening that circle to include you. And, mm -hmm. and as their friend, like it is loving to ask them how things are going. Ask them if there's things that they're working on that you could be helpful for. Yeah. I've had friends say, hey, you know what? It helps me if you text me once a week yeah. and just check in on me and make sure that I make sure I went out and did this, make sure I called this person. And so when we know that the people around us are are pursuing their health we cheer them on when they go to that when cancer oh, yeah. treatments happen. we cheer them on and we we need to cheer them on for the things that we can't see right too right yeah it's it's you know when i keep going through my mind imagine and i say this two ways imagine you're in a car wreck and you break your leg nobody would say hey don't go to the doctor right right you know right. what we've went through this last six months has been as traumatic as a car wreck right yeah and, and, and no one would say it was your fault either. No. It's your fault your legs broke. Yeah. No, you know, no, that was, yeah. You know, I didn't cause that. I didn't make that happen. You know. That's right. Yeah. And I think that gets associated with mental right. stuff too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. well, you could have, if you had done differently, if mm -hmm. you, it doesn't work that way. Trauma, mental trauma is as real as physical trauma. Right. And, and now let's reverse that. Your friend has a car wreck <laughs> and they break their leg and you know it. When you see him the next time, do you do you act like the leg's not been broke and ignore right. it, or do you address it? And and so when you have friends that are going through trauma, mm -hmm. I mean the natural thing, the caring thing, the guiding thing is how can I help? Right. How are you doing? Right. Uh, love you, support you. Yeah. And uh, all these things happen. And I don't. I think, you know, again, there's so much mental stigma that I think that we think if like with a broken leg. When that person comes up the road, like they don't expect me to be able to analyze that problem and say, "Well, you're, you know, you're, it's your femur, and, you know, just how are you? Is everything okay?" Mm -hmm. But for some reason, there's a stigma that if there's mental issues, I'm supposed to be able to ask you, you know, in-depth questions and not just say, "I love you, I care for you, and I'm praying for you." You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I care about you, even though I can't see because it's problem mental. Correct. I've got to be able to say, like with a broken leg, I can't say your leg's better. Right. And but with mental things, we 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 feel like we should be able to say the right yes. thing yes. to make things better. But it's still a process. Right. Right. And it comes down to listening. Like yes. Us, me telling right. you that you look like you're okay now isn't me listening and hearing you're not you, should you be. say that you're not okay. Right. That's right. I, I tore my Achilles tendon and, and I had a cast on and I'll never forget I went to district assembly. And one of my good friends, uh, you know, I'm crutches, I can't walk. 
he came over and goes, no, no, you're going to walk right now. We're going to heal you. <laughs> and, you know, he's pulling the crutch. He's like, get off me. Yeah. You know, it's like we do that with people that, oh, yeah. that suffer from, from just as real issues right. uh, from trauma. Absolutely. But no, I just feel like recently my heart has just been for our kids. Because honestly, our kids are going to, our kids can hide it so well. It it shows up the times you least expect it. But like the trauma that we've experienced, know that they have, they've pretty much walked through every bit of it. And you might even think that you've hit it and you've sheltered them. But they're, they're not the same kids they were the beginning of this year. And so I think as parents, like we are really, um, we're going to really going to be held accountable for how we pursue our kids mental health. I mean, I've talked to so many parents that 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 is their big concern right now is like, mm-hmm. I'm concerned for my kids mental health. I'm concerned for how this is weighing on them. And for me and my role serving children, I'm like, if I, if I can't find a way to support people, like how, what am I, what am I really doing here? So I feel like that's been just so heavy on me right now. It's like, well, how, how do we make sure that as we're looking to relaunch our kids department, that we are finding ways, to support what we know our kids need. We know our kids need fellowship. They need connection. They need the voices, the guides, the adults that are invested in their lives. And how do we make sure that we can provide that? Um, while also being mindful of, of the environment and the Absolutely. the season that we're in right now. That's great. Good conversation. And uh, Mara, why don't you pray us out? Sure. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, today we are just, um, we're so thankful for the gift of community. Lord, um, as I sit here in this conversation, and Lord, I've I've felt so blessed by the perspectives and the experiences and um, just the opinions that have been shared. Lord, help help us to seek community even as we um, feel maybe the, the need to to pull back, the need to isolate. Lord, show us the places. Show, let us hear you um, guiding us through other people um, Lord, as we as we seek you. Lord, I pray for, Lord, I pray for our kids. I pray for our teens. I pray for our adults. Lord, there is not one person in our community that has not been touched in some way by this season. Lord, it has been traumatic. It has been trying. It has been just heartbreaking at times. And Lord, we know that none of that is outside of your ability to redeem and restore. Um, Lord, we know that you've given us voices to guide us and you've given us professionals to help us. And Lord, we pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to seek out and take those steps when we need to. Lord, we love you and we are excited for days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.